you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izinite gregi. The Macedonian Orthodox Church is, after nearly 60 years, recognized as independent from the Serbian Orthodox Church and is declared to be in communion with the Orthodox churches from around the world by the Patriarch in Constantinople, a minor miracle. And yet, while this should encourage Macedonians, the ever-present Bulgarian children, in the form of the President of Bulgaria and the Government of Bulgaria, continue pressing to have their childish demands met. Add to that the most recent, quote, provocation, unquote, the minor fire in front of the Bulgarian club in Bitola, which the Bulgarian government once again predictably condemned as a, quote, hate speech, unquote, and you have yourself one continuing hot mess. Oh, and then there's the uh, continuing inflation. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Fit in Shalimanov in a very hot Skopje, Macedonia. Ah, but not as hot here. Not as hot here, my yeah, friend. Yeah, no, it is. Course, it's, yes. it's the deserts of Arizona. It's going to be 43 degrees by Saturday. Oh. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, June 5, episode 138 of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. So in less than a week, it'll be 43. It hasn't rained here since March 29, so I don't want to hear any complaining or griping from you. Oh my God. Yeah, okay. Yes, okay. We can compare with the desert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'll tell you, it's, uh, yeah, well, the monsoons are coming, so uh, there will be relief. The rains and slightly cooler temperatures, mm -hmm. but more humidity. But um, yeah. uh, we haven't, I, so I said today's Sunday, June 5. Um, I don't think we've recorded an episode since early May, so um, yeah, it's I, been I can't remember if we have um, a description about the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast, but we might change it to an occasional series of podcasts <laughs> yeah. uh, about all things Macedonian in the English language from a conservative standpoint. So, yeah, When historical things happen in the country. Exactly. Well, and, and speaking of historical, yes, let's, let's dive right into it. Um, the Macedonian Orthodox Church is uh, recognized uh, as independent from the Serbian Orthodox Church in communion with the Orthodox churches from around the world. And that's about all I know. So you're our... Um, even though I am, like you, Macedonian Orthodox, you're the resident expert on this. And the month of June, which we are now deep into, or getting deep mm. into, is there's a number of dates coming up having to do with the church, with uh, the EU, um, uh, with uh, Vomero and domestic politics there, the, the protests they're going to start on the 18th. Mm -hmm. uh, but the next step in this... Um, in this uh, journey, shall we say, of the Macedonian Orthodox Church is what's the handing over of the Tomos, I believe, to mm -hmm. Archbishop Stefan. Why don't you kind of address that and tell our listeners a little bit more about what that means and what's going to happen? Yeah, I don't know much about the church. I haven't all these intricacies and stuff, but uh, it's a big deal. Broad so picture. we have, yeah, we have uh, like uh, uh, Macedonia is obviously. We have Ohrid, which is uh, the seat of Eastern 
Christianity for the Slavic world. This is where the Bible was translated into the old church Slavonic language. And uh, since here it was taken, uh, it, Christianity was carried uh, to Moravia, which is obviously Czech Republic, Slovakia, Slovenia, this region of the world, uh, Poland, and, f and also from Ohrid, uh, missions were sent to, uh, or actually eventually when the Kievan Rus decided on uh, Christianity to, to follow the uh, Eastern Orthodox uh, religion, uh, again, the Bibles which were translated, which were copied in Ohrid, were crucial in uh, uh, Christianing uh, practically the whole of Russia and all the Eastern Slavic countries, Ukraine, etc. So it's a, it's a big deal. So we, are, we consider ourselves a very old church, uh, not to mention, obviously, the uh, Apostle Paul coming to Macedonia, uh, so practically the first European uh, uh, Christian country. Uh, but um, our church, which existed under the, Ottoman, uh, under the Ottoman Empire, where the churches, the religious communities, were like a state within a state, so it was very important to have your own uh, patriarch and your own uh, uh, bishops. Uh, they would dispense justice. They they would have like uh, foreign office, intelligence office, education would go through through the churches for the Christian subjects of the Sultan. Uh, so our church was abolished uh, in um, seventeen sixty two by Greek machinations. So obviously the Greek uh, clerics in Constantinople. Uh, in Istanbul influenced the Sultan to abolish our church and demanded that uh, the Ohrid, the churches under the Archbishopry of Ohrid are given to Greek uh, bishops. So this was practically the, our loss of independence within the Ottoman Empire and then as the empire collapsed on its fringes, we are a more central province uh, around uh, Solon, so we were one of the last parts of the empire to be liberated. Uh, so the Serbs, the Bulgarians, they established churches before us uh, and uh, they tried to influence, uh, to gain followers in Macedonia and eventually when this part of Macedonia was conquered by Serbia, Serbia just declared that our churches fall under the Serbian jurisdiction. This was in 1912, 1913, after their conquest of Macedonia. And we declared our independence uh, in, in Yugoslav times, when Macedonia as a separate republic said, listen, we have very few Serbs here, we cannot be controlled by the Serbian Patriarch. The church was suppressed, by not, but not abolished under the communist rule, so uh, it was a point of national pride to re-establish it in 1962. Mm. Serbia refused to recognize this, they insist that we have to remain under them, and we had a decades-long dispute uh, uh, over the church, which carried on into our independence. Uh, Serbian bishops would sometimes, you know, send stern messages saying that all of you there, you know, your, your prayers, your communion, your, you know, um, funerals, they're not valid and stuff. Mm. Uh, you will all go to hell, your, uh, they would call us uh, uh, Raskolnici, like splinter. It, it's an ugly word for a splinter mm. church, like a sect sometimes. So it was a pretty ugly situation, not, I mean, relatively minor compared to the uh, dispute with Greece and now with Bulgaria, which uh, is far more intrusive, but still an ugly, ugly moment in our relations. Uh, 
and uh, all of the sudden, I mean, it was a lot of backhanded work going on, going back years, but uh, culminating uh, these past few months, uh, uh, first the ecumenical patriarch, the Bartholomew, the Greek, uh, he's not the Greek church, the leader of the Greek church, but claims, you know, says he's first among, among all equal patriarchs of uh, the Eastern Orthodox world. He was the first one to give us, uh, to declare us no longer in, uh, uh, no, he, he declared us, now, now we're back in canonical unity with the Orthodox churches, so that we are no longer like a splinter church. Uh, and um, this was quickly followed by our patriarch, our Archbishop Stefan going to Belgrade. Mm -hmm having a joint mass in the large new cathedral in Belgrade, St. Sava, with the Serbian Patriarch uh, Porfiri, where uh, we practically returned to the Serbian church for a few days, for a week or 10 days. And this was a very, you know, worrying development because Serbia would often tell us, we do not recognize your separation in 1962, you come back to us, and then we will decide to let you go. We will probably let you go, but first you have to return to us. Mm -hmm. And this was very, this all sounded very suspicious to us. So we did this, we returned to the Serbian church for a period of time. And then uh, on uh, the 24th of May, on the feast of St. Cyril and Methodius, uh, the important uh, saints who practically carried Christianity from Ohrid from Macedonia to Moravia, to Central Europe. Uh, Porfiri came back to Skopje, and in a return visit, in a return sermon, he said, we now accept your independence. So practically he let us go. There are still kinks to, to be worked out, so we still need to... to today uh, there was another sermon uh, in Belgrade where he, uh, the Serbian church gave us the deed of, uh, the bill of sale, practically, <laughs> of our church. That's the, but, that's the Thomas, uh, right? Yeah, that's the Thomas, but I, I think we're still supposed to get one from the ecumenical patriarch, mm -hmm. and that's going to be difficult because now he, they have, uh, the, it's, it's a Greek, and then the huge influence of the Greek church, he would not want to have us accepted as the Macedonian Orthodox Church dash Archbishopry of Ohrid, mm -hmm. he would only accept us as the Archbishopry of Ohrid, mm -hmm. so he would not want to have Macedonian in the name. So we'll see, we'll see whether this today is the end of the road or we'll st we still have to get something from the from the ecumenical patriarch as well uh, before we can say that the church is fully recognized. But uh, and we'll probably have to include Serbian pro-Serbian bishops in the church. Mm. So there's also what the Serbs said, a technical issue of uh, you know, technical details to be worked out, but it's actually a pretty major moment where they turned one of our bishops against our church. So they uh, declared him, uh, Bishop Jovan of Veles, uh, right. as the uh, Archbishop of Ohrid. This was done by the Serbian church. And in return, we put him in prison which was a major escalation in our relations with Serbia and uh, dispute between the churches on fraud, money laundering charges. 
stuff like that, but it was obvious that it was because he uh, practically betrayed our church and went to the Serbian church. Mm. So now Serbia still recognizes him as the Archbishop of Ohrid. Now with the Tomos, apparently not anymore, but they will insist. So he's old, he's no longer able to come back, but uh, they will demand that people from his faction of the church, from his separate church practically, are incorporated into our church or that some of our bishops, because our bishops are, some are siding with Bulgaria, some are siding with Greece, some are still siding with Serbia. It's a big mess. I mean, they, they would study in uh, uh, Mount Athos, they would, you know, travel to Moscow, travel to Belgrade, travel to Greece, and um, they were heavily influenced by regional neighboring intelligence services. Mm. And uh, they, probably Serbia will demand that uh, there is a, an agreement that uh, while we are independent, they still have some stake, even more than before, practically. They did not really have formal power over our church, except in their vain uh, proclamations from time to time. But now they will want something, uh, some kind of role, I'm sure. Uh, in the church, but still, still a big moment. I was in Veles when it happened, and mm -hmm. uh, you know the churches were, the bells were ringing. Uh, it was a big, big, uh, big moment when when Porfiri declared that he accepts our request for independence in Skopje. Mm, yeah, as I said, a, a minor. I said in the monologue there a minor miracle. Maybe it's a major miracle. Um, three three points in, in listening to you. you know, that was an excellent um, uh, kind of a summary of, of of the history of the church and. But you started with uh, the Apostle Paul, um, and of course, in the book of uh, in the book of Acts, which was written by Saint Luke the Evangelist, there's the famous um, the famous verse, Acts sixteen nine. Uh, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Uh, which is a verse I love to quote a lot because you know I didn't. That's it's referred to as quote unquote the Macedonian call, uh, especially among mm -hmm. you know evangelicals, Baptists, yeah. Protestants, etc. And, uh, you know, I, of course, 26 years ago, I didn't get the Macedonian call. I got the Macedonian email uh, saying, <laughs> come over to Macedonia and help us. Yeah. And so and that's that's kind of my journey. Uh, but I've always found it fascinating, and I've asked people about it, and nobody's ever given me a satisfactory answer. Because Luke writes, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, or a Macedonian man. How did Paul know it was a Macedonian man? You know, mm -hmm. was it the language he was speaking? Was it his dress? Was it uh, some famous Macedonian from before Paul's time? I don't know. It's it's always been a, a fun thing to mm -hmm. think about. Um, so that's first. Uh, second, I was going back, you know, I just celebrated um, uh, on May 25, so a day after this uh, 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 Cyril and Methodius, uh, the celebration of, of, mm -hmm. of them. Uh, on May 25, I celebrate, that's my annual celebration of recognize him when I came to Macedonia, because it was May 25, 1996, uh, after I got the Macedonian email. Uh, oh. And um, so I just celebrated 26 years. I went back and I looked at a, a thing I wrote 16 years ago, and it was just called Decade. That was the title of the article. Uh, you probably translated it, uh, but I don't know what mm -hmm. publication it would have run in. Um, <laughs> but that was um, 2006, and I and I read it, reread it, and I, and I noticed, and I was kind of struck by it, because I said, I talked about Archbishop Stefan and the Macedonian Orthodox Church, and I said, pray for 
Archbishop Stefan. He's got a heavy, heavy burden on his shoulders. And okay. uh, so if you read that and you prayed for him, your prayers have now been answered. So um, I think that's, that's fantastic. Uh, and then the third thing I wanted to say in relation to all this is I was just going back here as we were talking, looking at, we, we did a, a, a film about Macedonia and the name issue mm-hmm. in 2009 called A Name is a Name. Um, and uh, in that, we, you know, we talked to a bunch of people throughout Macedonian society from famous names to people that we just grabbed off the street. And, of course, one of the people we talked to was Gospodin Gospodin Stefan, uh, and we interviewed him there at Svetis Bas. Um, mm-hmm. And he made the point, I've, I've got his, his uh, what he said here in front of me, maybe we'll figure out how to put it into the... Um, into the podcast, uh, basically he said, you know, this is political. That's what the whole thing has been. Uh, he says, it isn't recognized, meaning the church, not because the Macedonian Orthodox Church has canonic or theological obstacles pertaining to her teachings, since she is identical to the other Orthodox churches, but political issues are the main obstacle for the recognition, which is the acceptance of the Macedonian Orthodox Church. Uh, and, and that's as simple as it is, because that's the way it yeah. is. He also goes on to say, and I think this is encouraging, he says, quote, I believe that the Macedonian Orthodox Church, as always, will continue to take part in defending the identity and defending the truth of the Macedonian nation. And I believe that it will endure in defending the name of Macedonia, the name of the Macedonian people, in defense of Macedonia's culture, history, and all that is truly common for the state, for the people, for the church, for the country, for Macedonia. Uh, So... um, Based on what you said about these events coming up here, we will see how, uh, how that all works out. It will always be the Macedonian Orthodox Church, just as it will always be Macedonia, the Republic of Macedonia and the Macedonian people. Uh, and uh, our friends who dispute that are just going to have to get used to it. Uh, there is a lot of caveats in all this. I mean, the church, as I said, they did not really support the name. One bishop, uh, Agatangel of Viles, is outspoken in opposing the Prespa Treaty, opposing the pressure mm. from Bulgaria. Another, uh, Bishop Piman, who covers Europe, is very openly on board with uh, Zaev and all the changes. Bishop Naum of Strumica was very close to Zaev, even they're in business together with the marijuana plantations. Uh, uh, bishop, uh, the newly appointed Bishop of um, St. John Bigorsky Monastery, Oh, what was his name? Gosh. Uh, he is very openly with the Bulgarian church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're, they have not really covered themselves in glory over this period. And uh, re- I mean, the reputation of the church is really down. This mm-hmm. is like, this was a period of trials when, when the church was supposed to play some role, some much greater role in uh, everything that was happening. Um, there is a huge caveat over how this independence, this recognition happened. Um, we know that uh, uh, Bartolomeo, the ecumenical patriarch, he was the, the one who recognized the Ukrainian church. Mm-hmm. And uh, this made a huge split in Eastern Orthodoxy between the Constantinople and the largest, by far the largest, uh, Eastern Orthodox church, which is obviously Moscow, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, it was very clear that this recognition was done uh, by pressure, by influence of the U.S. diplomats, U.S. intelligence over Bartholomew. Uh, and we, we have these uh, those tapes, if you remember, when uh, Russian uh, pranksters, uh, <laughs> shall we right. call them, were recording Zaev. Right. 
And they were pretty sour about uh, Bartholomew, and they knew that Macedonia is in a similar situation. So they say, listen, uh, they, were, they were pretending to be Ukrainian President Poroshenko, telling Zayev, listen, we paid uh, Bartholomew, what, like uh, two, three hundred thousand euros, but we can negotiate for you. We have the contact still. We can negotiate with you for you much cheaper price, like 150,000 euros, and he will give you the recognition. Uh, and uh, Zayev immediately says, yeah, sure, but he's not surprised, he does not ask, wait, is this how it works? Obviously, this was being discussed with Zayev's American minders. Mm -hmm. uh, I would see the American ambassador to Greece, Geoffrey Piat, recently left the country, who was until recently, until uh, b before coming to Greece, he was ambassador to Ukraine right. during the Maidan, yep. so obviously a point person in these contacts. He was meeting with Bartholomew very frequently in uh, Istanbul. So it's very clear that the U.S. Uh, supported this process. There was an attempt uh, shortly after the Prespa Treaty that, uh, okay, we have Bartholomew on board, but Serbs are not eager, not willing to do this. So there was uh, a call by the Macedonian church to the Bulgarian church, in which we practically threw ourselves at them and said, we recognize you as our mother church, mm -hmm. which is historically all uh, messed up, as, as messed up as Serbia claiming seniority over our church, where, whereas Ohrit is obviously the, the main center of Christianity here. So uh, the idea was that we uh, do this trick where we join a church and then we are released by its patriarch with recognition from Bartholomew. But if the Serbs are not willing that we join the Bulgarian church, and then we are separated from their church. So they, they cut us loose. They give us this uh, recognition. And the, and the Bulgarian church uh, was split. Their synod voted 50-50. Uh, they were split in half over this option. They said, we acknowledge your recognition of our seniority, that we are your mother church. And then our request was, okay, can we now have a joint sermon where we are joining you practically? And then you give us the Thomas. And they said, no, we cannot have a joint uh, service. Uh, so pro probably Russia influenced Bulgaria not to go down this path. Um, the day uh, Bartholomew issued his declaration that we are now in canonical unity with the other churches, the, the pro-SDSM media outlets, the American-funded outlets here, were ready. They immediately had statements, uh, they, they had some Russian representatives say that they do not recognize Bartholomew's actions, that uh, for Russia, Macedonia is still under Serbian uh, religious you know, church authority, and that this will have to be recognized by Serbia before you know, Russia will accept this, uh, which is natural given their relationship to Bartholomew at the moment, but uh, this was immediately, the reaction here was, look, we have our pro-Western support winning a major recognition for us, but Russia is working against us. So there was a clear attempt by the U.S. diplomats to pit us against Russia and uh, over the churches. So they would like us to have, uh, um, like Ukraine, they would like to see us as an anti-Russian, uh, Slavic, uh, Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox country. Mm. So we are... Uh, so Poland is a valuable ally because it's a Slavic country. It splinters the Slavic world, but they're Catholic. Uh, Ukraine obviously is uh, Orthodox, but now with the war, they're 
they're, they're separate churches mm-hmm. probably being reinforced in uh, the more Ukrainian parts of the country. Uh, Serbia, Bulgaria, they're very weak. Uh, they're actually, you know, either a weak Russian ally or a weak Western ally, depending how you look at them. So the diplomats here, they're hoping to, the US diplomats are hoping uh, to have us uh, side with the current coalition of willing against willing countries against Russia. And this was supposed to be a sweetener after all the American attacks on Macedonian identity and Macedonian uh, national sovereignty, etc. They would give us, okay, we give you this recognition of, uh, unfortunately, I mean, you know the role of the church. Sure. It's not, the church does not play a role in Macedonia. It, it does not run schools. It does not run orphanages. It does not, uh, uh, except for ceremonial stuff on major holidays and births and burials. It's really like a cultural mm-hmm. institution mm-hmm. of some ceremonies, uh, which we repeat. So we would ha- get, get a recognition of a relatively insignificant organization, but with, with the caveat that we now express our gratitude to our Western allies. And, uh, so I guess, uh, Serbia was in a pickle here because it could continue opposing us after the fact that obviously American influence and probably bribes got the Greek ecumenical patriarch on our side. So Serbia could have continued opposing us, in which case uh, this uh, development would have worked to increase tensions between Macedonians and Serbs as well, not only Macedonians and Russia. They, they practically caved, they gave up, they said, uh, okay, we immediately recognize your independence. And, and Russia, the same day Russia had the same statement like before, as we said, we recognize whatever Serbia does in, with regard to the Macedonian church, we are on board. So now this attempt to pit us against Moscow and Belgrade failed and uh, um, practically we won our independence, we'll see to what extent now Serbia will demand influence over the church and Greece or the, the Greek patriarchs of uh, Athens, Alexandria, Antioch, all the ceremonial mm. seats. Uh, how the, Albania, Albania is practically run by the Greek church as mm. well. How they will refer to us. Uh, but uh, the, this prepared attempt to have Macedonians in feud with Russia practically becoming part of the of the split that the US generated between uh, Constantinople and Moscow, the Greek Eastern Orthodoxy and uh, Russia. They wanted to have us become part of this uh, dispute, but it's now been uh, avoided because, you know, Serbia acted quickly and and Russia followed suit. Right. Wow. Well, that is quite a uh, explanation there. You you mentioned Bulgaria in there a few times, and so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll pivot to that. But before we do that, let me just add one um, thirty thousand foot, ten thousand meter perspective on this mm-hmm. whole thing, and that is what we're talking about here. A lot of, especially when you throw in the uh, interventions uh, of perhaps the State Department and others, uh, is the these institutions. Uh, the, the physical institutions of these churches, whereas you know, 
the church should be the body of believers, uh, whether they're mm-hmm. Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, or even non-denominational. Plenty of people that are believers, okay. uh, because going back to what the jailer in Philippi told the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family will be saved, which is, that's the gospel there in one sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the church. It's the body of believers. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, there's politics in it. There's politics in every church. Not not to be discouraged. I mean, look at the Catholic church and, and what, what they've got going on. Uh, the Protestant churches have these... Have, politics and scandals and things like that as well. Every, every human-created institution uh, is going to have these these issues, but the church as a body uh, of believers, uh, an assembly or a congregation, a ecclesia, uh, is, is, is different. So, but let's, let's switch over here to uh, Bulgaria as we are uh, um, uh, obligated to do in each podcast, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this week, of course, we've got the ongoing debate within the Bulgarian government. President Radev says, no, we're not lifting the veto. Uh, Petkov, the prime minister, says, seems to be a little more, more moderate, wants to lift the veto. veto. Uh, his party, his coalitions are split. Um, they had a big confab, powwow, whatever you want to call it, last Friday, I believe. And hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't think they came to any conclusions. Um Petkov was just in Washington, D.C., I believe, with, not with his foreign minister, with somebody else, though, correct? Yeah, the foreign minister is a hardliner, right. so he went there with the deputy foreign minister yeah. and the energy defense minister, so obviously, over yeah. Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they, they talked. Uh, and, then, um, and then, of course, we have, uh, over the weekend, yesterday, uh, the 4th, I believe, mm-hmm. the uh, Bulgarian club down in Bitola was... Uh, yeah, a little bit of arson, you know, just no major yeah. damage. Uh, but predictably, you know, uh, the Bulgarian government's up in arms. Uh, was this, you know, uh, what's the what's the word for um, when you do it to yourself? Uh, I forgot. Self inflict uh, self immolation. <laughs> yeah, not that. But did the Bulgarians do this, you know, to try and and sink the, you know, the this all these talks, or is, you know, was it genuinely somebody in some Macedonian who's upset by it, but what's what's so we have. Let's go back to the the dates. June is an important month. We kind of covered. We just spent thirty minutes talking about the church. Um, the French uh, end their presidency of the count, European Council, I believe, at the end of this month, and so they'd like to see some movement on this. There's talk about Macron having already given in to the Bulgarian demands. Um, what's what? It, what's the late? What do you hear there? Uh, I mean, there is a lot of pressure, so now there is supposed to be a visit to France, uh, uh, which is which holds the rotating presidency of the European Council by Pitkov and Radev. Radev mm-hmm. was also invited, Very un- pretty unprecedented to have both main leaders of Bulgaria invited by Macron, and Radev refused to go. So he does not, uh, mm-hmm. like Gruevsky at the time when he knew that he's only being invited to Washington to be pressured on the name, uh this is a similar situation now they don't want to go they don't want to face the pressure they just want to run out the clock uh and uh, we're practically resigned that uh, there won't be uh agreement there will be nothing uh, th- there won't be a lifting of the veto or even if there is i mean the the price will be very high so there are, the bulgarian demand is okay we accept that france is the 
guarantor of all these demands, which means that we, we are not pressuring Macedonia, Francis. Mm. So we're going back to the French veto. So they would outline their demands, give them to the French, and they will insist that any future French government, this government, any future Macedonian government, including this government, they would have to meet the Bulgarian demands and that it will now be France as guarantor of the list of demands or the European Union as a whole mm. guaranteeing this. And the demands will obviously be that we acknowledge that we were Bulgarians until uh, 1944, that we spoke Bulgarian until the same year, that all the historic figures were Bulgarian, that the Macedonian yeah, language, yeah. etc. Uh, so, you know, this would m mean that the Bulgarian demands are actually becoming much stronger. They are now formally part of the EU accession process. And of course, if the EU countries are not interested in uh, following up this Bulgarian demand, if, that, uh, if Bulgaria says, listen, they're violating, they're not amending their history books fast enough to reflect our our version of history, hmm. so we cannot let them open the next chapter of EU accession talks. And if all other EU countries say, uh, this is stupid, we are guarantors of this, we signed on to this, but it's ridiculous, Bulgaria will just unilaterally with us anyway. So, uh, but, but this demand would actually let us open accession talks, but would actually make their position stronger, because formally the, Bulga the Bulgarian demands will be part of the EU accession right. con conditions for Macedonia. We didn't have this under Greece. Mm -hmm. To the last day, the Greeks and the EU, the European Union would say, we are not uh, blocking you over your identity. Uh, it's just the failure of all EU member states to agree on opening accession talks. And then they would cite some technical issue. They would cite an issue like, we mentioned this in the previous podcast, uh, <laughs> when they opened up a gay club in uh, uh, in uh, the Albanian part of the city, and it would be they would be attacked routinely by the Albanians, and then the EU would say, "Listen, this is Gruevski not protecting right. his the homosexuals in the country." So this is the reason why we're blocking them. It's mm -hmm. not that uh, we're blocking them over their identity. God forbid that we <laughs> in the EU would pressure anybody to <laughs> give up their identity. His, her, their, their identity or whatever. And if you go back to the previous podcast around minutes five to seven, we very easily predicted this was going to happen. We discussed the, the opening of the club in Bitola at length. Why it, it was named after Vancho Mikhailov, a very controversial historical figure. Huge problem, especially for the left in Macedonia. The culture minister was in tears. She's from Bitola. Her, she would tell anybody who would listen how her grandfather was a huge communist partisan fighter. And now there is a club named after Vancho Mikhailov in her city. She was, so they were all very butthurt. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was obviously the purpose of opening the club was that it will be attacked. Fortunately, there are no injuries. There, nobody is hurt. The group of uh, which opened it, uh, the Bulgarians from Bitola, there is a lot of police involvement here. They are, they have some of them have solidly extensive links to our intelligence, uh, not to mention obviously our Bulgarian intelligence. So it's uh, uh, but but they played it perfectly. It, it was played beautifully. 
uh, opened the club, gave it a controversial name. Uh, we have on the record the president, the prime minister, the foreign minister, who is an Alb Albanian and shouldn't care about these things, and the interior minister, who is supposed to investigate the opening of the club, uh, the, 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 the torching of the club, the, the arson, uh, they all strongly condemned the opening of the club. And they referred to the, the Bancho Mikhailov as a fascist. By extension, they referred to the people who opened the club as Nazi sympathizers. And, uh, um, you know, they're calling it the fascist club in Bitola. So, you know, <laughs> there, there, there was a lot of similar comments from the opposition as well, from Vumero, not to mention Levitsa. Levitsa, leader of Apasiev, after the torching, he said, you'll be burned by a major fire in his <laughs> rhetorical style. Um, but uh, it's very important to note that, uh, and Bulgarians will note <laughs> this, no doubt, in Brussels, that the president of the country, the prime minister, the interior minister, the foreign minister, referred to a group of Macedonian citizens who set up a club as Nazi sympathizers, and then weeks later, the club they opened was attacked. Mm. And you know, now you can't trust the interior minister to investigate this fully because he said that the people there are Nazis and you do not negotiate with Nazis, you do not uh, uh, try to reason with Nazis, you kill them. I mean, this is, this is what Antifa stands for, right? This is what... The, mm. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, these were very harsh words from our left, from our government. Obviously, they have a huge problem because a lot of their party split, wouldn't vote for, for, for SDSM uh, in uh, the local elections over the issue of Bulgaria. Uh, so, they had to try to win them over, try to be tough on this issue after the government allowed the club to be registered. I mean, you, you have... Like we arrested the Serbian bishop, they could find a way to prevent the club from being opened. I mean, they couldn't. They shouldn't even have to come up with a, a bogus money laundering charge or anything like that. They could have just said, "Listen, this is a name of a Nazi sympathizer. We cannot allow this to happen, and we're just not allowing you to register the club." But then it would have been a different argument for Bulgaria to go to Brussels and say, listen, they're not allowing a minority group to set up a club. And now <laughs> they actually, they allowed the club to open, the government condemned it, including the interior minister who is supposed to now protect it from arson. He said they are Nazis, <laughs> this is a fascist club. And now the club is on fire and the Bulgarians say, well, we obviously we cannot trust you to protect the Bulgarian minority. I mean, the Bulgaria, it was very... Uh, plain see-through but right. uh, the, the strategy but Bulgarians played it perfectly and uh, whoever torched it was it an inside job was it a, a disgruntled uh, person from Bitola I mean Bulgaria will just say listen Doesn't the matter, person right? was obviously inspired by the president by the prime minister the interior minister and the opposition and the foreign minister all condemning the club in the harshest possible terms obviously you know, hateful rhetoric lead, led to hateful actions. And the Bulgarian foreign minister immediately came to Bitola. It was apparently a pre-planned visit. Mm. So the fire was 
before she came as as she was traveling to Skopje or just before she was suspiciously timed for Skopje, yeah, of course before the European Council, yeah. it it all fits perfectly yeah. in the. Giving a very strong excuse to Bulgaria to block. Be- between what you've just said there about Nazis, uh, obviously Russia's uh, war on Ukraine in the name of denazification, uh, between the left calling everybody here and the right, especially Donald Trump mm. Nazis, I think 2022 is shaping up to be the year of the Nazi. Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> and and I, did we discuss this? I discussed this ex- at length everywhere. Uh, this is uh, we had the, uh, the U.S. embassy's favorite Vimera people, former Vimera right. people like Nikola Todorov, uh, Pavla Bogoyevsky, Lyubcha Georgievsky, come out and practically support this figure, Vancho Mikhailov, yeah. because he was uh, fighting the pro-Soviet left-wing factions in uh, uh, Macedonia in the 20s, in the 30s. So uh, and immediately after. After the club was opened, obviously we're discussing Vancho Mikhailov, but their second point in, in their interviews they would give around this period was that uh, U.S. good, Russia bad, yeah. Ukraine good, Russia bad. Mm. So, uh, together, coupled with the church, this is like a package deal we're being offered. So, the, the right wing in Macedonia, okay, you get some wins on... Uh, historical issues on issues of national identity and the church, blah, blah, blah. We'll even allow you throw in several historic figures. We will allow you to honor after we told you you can't honor Alexander or Tsar Samuel or whoever Greece or Bulgaria claims. Okay, we'll give you these guys. But whatever identity you want to have, you can freely express it. But so long as you can tie it up, tie it up somehow to make it anti-Russia. So if we don't border Russia, we have, did not have a history of fighting Russia. On the contrary, we have a history of waiting on somebody to liberate us from the Ottomans. And often, you know, Russia looms large in this, mm. uh, in this uh, mythology. And actually, it was the liberator for much of the Balkans. So uh, we do not have the, the Ukrainian... <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're split. They're even split, if you ask them. Even now in Ukraine, mm-hmm. they're 50-50, and actually I'm surprised it's not more pro-Russian than pro-Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. They, they, have, they have their columns about Russia and the communist period and the heavy-handed you know, communism, which was partly Bulgaria's fault, but of course a lot of it, much of it, maybe most of it was Russia's fault. But, you know, half of Sofia's streets are Russian generals, Russian <laughs> monuments. The cathedral church right. is named Alexander Nevsky. Yep. It was briefly renamed uh, Cyril and Methodius uh, when they briefly were at war with Russia. Uh, oh, what period was this? Uh, the First World War? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over the First World War. Uh, they found themselves on opposite sides. But, you know, every second street in Sofia is a, has a Russian name. I mean, I'm overdoing it, but a lot of them are. Right, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this is what the embassy offers us. Okay, you can honor Vancho Mikhailov, but you know, or historic figures from this period of fight between the right wing and the left wing of Vimera. But if you can somehow project uh, the left wing, the fight against the left wing of Vimera onto Russia, and we give you the church after we stripped all your other sources of sovereignty, because the church was at the time the education ministry. 
the foreign ministry, the intelligence agency, the justice department or the dispenser of justice in, for Macedonians under uh, the Ottomans. It was the, uh, a crypto state, a state within a state. And then we had all these institutions secularized and they were working, working and protecting Macedonia until recently. So education ministry, a secularized education ministry was teaching children the whole history of Macedonia, not bits and pieces of it. The justice ministry is now subverted to go against the opposition, to go against people who would mention Macedonian sovereignty. The intelligence agencies were working for Macedonia up to the moment when they practically switched and sided with, the, practically collapsed under American pressure and sided with the, in the first some agents within them and then wholesale the intelligence now works for for the, the US embassy. Uh, the foreign ministry is now led by two Albanians and is negotiating away our national identity. So all these roles with the church played in the past, we had them secularized, we used them extensively. They were all attacked by the US embassy. They all now work against having a Macedonian state, a Macedonian identity. But we have a church with just a ceremonial role and some historic figures which now the embassy tells us, okay, we will give you these things and you can have fun with them and you can, uh, you know, um, make celebrations and gestures of identity around them. But if you can project them against Russia, that's when we would allow you to have some national dignity back. And, uh, you know, we have to follow every other order we make, you know, in economics and etc. Well, I'm going to push back gently on some of that. Um, no, please set, setting aside the whole Russia issue, because we could have a whole podcast devoted to that, as we, as we did at the beginning of this. Um, unlike our friends on the left, unlike our friends in the State Department, unlike uh, progressives around the world, I don't believe that there is a side to history, especially a right side or wrong side or direction to history. It's it's not that simple. Uh, so they always, our, our friends in state and on the left say, you know, right side mm. of history and, you know, we're, we're moving in one direction, onwards and upwards, as Nikola Dimitrov likes to say. Mm. Uh, I don't believe any of that. I think things come and go, uh, things ebb and flow. Um, you know, to see, to see uh, <laughs> John Kerry, the former... Uh, Secretary of State and, and others, when talking about the, the war in Russia, that the 21st, this is no, there's, there's uh, no role for uh, a war like this in the 21st century. Thank you, Lurch. Um, mm. Well, maybe not, yeah. but it's happening. So it doesn't matter what you believe, 21st century or no 21st century. It, it just is. That's the reality. Mm. Uh, okay, so my point being that just because all of this is happening doesn't mean it has to continue to happen. And ultimately, mm. I still want to stress, Macedonians have it within their power to control their own future, regardless of what the State Department or anybody else or the Russians or anybody else does. I, you know, things were moving in the right direction, I believe, under Nikola, uh, Nikola Gorevsky. And um, I think one of the problems under the, the Vomero government is they got a little bit cocky and did some things they probably yeah. shouldn't have. And, and then that gave State a opportunity to bring him down that's what happened it's kind of like donald trump would be president of the united states right now if he had if he had done covid right 
Uh, I think he really screwed up on that. Um, I mean, he got the got the vaccine going, but he didn't treat it as seriously as he should have. Uh, and it was a very close election. Uh, but you know, the left took advantage. Stolen. Sorry. Stolen. Well, I don't know about well, the, the election. <laughs> no, I don't think the election was stolen. I think. I mean, uh, uh, nah. That's. I mean. Anyway, that's uh, nah, wasn't stolen. Um, okay. I mean, if 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 that was stolen, then you know that the, to say that twenty twenty was stolen gives fodder to the left for two thousand sixteen to say it was stolen. And so, you know, the the and that's another we could have a whole discussion mm. on institutions, the yeah. death of institutions in the West, especially uh, whether it's the Macedonian, the United States, or anywhere else. But anyway, my point being that Donald Trump would be president if he hadn't screwed up there in that last year on certain areas. Uh, Nikola Gorevsky could have continued if, if he and the government hadn't screwed up. Point being that there we have seen individuals in Macedonia, there are Macedonians who can do what is right for Macedonia and resist the, um, the uh, resist State Department and the embassy uh, and others. Mm. Um, but they got to have to want to do it and they got to have to sacrifice for it. Anyway, that's my uh, my gentle pushback on that. So, um, we're running a little bit long here. We should probably wrap up. Um, okay, well, for a, for a once a month uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, the rate it's going. Yeah, um, I know you got you got major inflation there. Our inflation here is still running. I think six and a half, seven percent. Uh, I was talking to my Estonian friends the other day. It's running twenty percent in Estonia. In Macedonia, mm-hmm. it's what ten, ten, eleven percent now. Uh, officially 10.510, but yeah, it's, it's bad. I mean, this is not good for, for any current government having to, to live with inflation like this is not good. And, and it's going to be, you know, the, the Democrats are going to get wiped out here in, in, in November. Uh, mm-hmm. so, um, so hopefully let's see, June 18 is the, uh, Vomero rally, I believe, or the start of yeah. Vomero yeah. rallies to, uh, to uh, hopefully bring down this current government and, and, and uh, have new elections sometime soon, so... Um, yeah, hopefully. No, if we get the veto again in June... And, and what's the date on the that, end then? Of June. When, when does the council meet? Uh, it's usually, I think, near the end of the okay. month. I think 20-something, All right. up to the 30th. Well, well, maybe, looking at the calendar here, June 18 is a Saturday. That's two weeks from now. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do a podcast right after that, and then another one yep. after the council. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if uh, if the you know if the t- blows of national humiliation slightly maybe moderated, the, right? By this thing with uh, the church and uh, you know sp- spiking prices, we practically uh, you know the prices are going up, and then there is a run on things. Oh, uh, yeah. So run on uh, fuel, a run on cooking oil. But every, not toilet every week. paper. <laughs> no, no, people. Figure Which is what Americans do. There's a run on yeah. toilet paper. <laughs> Not now, but during yeah. COVID. So, <laughs> I mean, toilet paper has become very expensive as well, and it's easy to store. I don't know why. I should have invested more in toilet paper, but yeah. <laughs> it's, Not Bitcoin, it's toilet cooking paper. cooking oil, fuel, yeah. <laughs> and uh, apartments are going excessively up, oh. which never happened before. So it's, it'd probably be even scarier when eventually we reach a breaking point. A bubble. Because, you know, usually we own apartments, we don't uh, mortgage, buy a mortgage, right. a mortgage. So the prices were stable and, uh, you know, going up, but, you know, slightly. Yeah. And then never going down. Right. So we had the 
2007 crisis, we didn't, you know, prices didn't drop, uh, you know, five percent, uh, real estate prices. Mm -hmm. Now they're going up uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's not crazy to hear people paying 1,700 per square meter euros per wow. square meter in Skopje in, in new apartments and. Previously, you know, 12, 1300 yeah. would be tops. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, a, a lot of it is driven now by credit because mm. credit has become very easy, like in the US. Mm. Uh, and uh, when the bubble bursts there, apparently, we might have for the first time ever a real estate uh, bubble bursting in Skopje. And uh, we'll see how that looks. So it's going to be very shocking. Yeah, you're telling me that would be the time for me to come and buy because I want to retire in Macedonia. Okay. Yes, excellent. Yes. Right. But but only if you sell sell beforehand in Arizona. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, it's not a problem to sell. Uh, it's a problem where you store the money and in what under my mattress. That's been <laughs> yeah. That that's the problem because the there can be a run on banks. Right. Uh, if I remember correctly, the previous. Uh, crisis 2007 the Greek crisis yeah. so it's it's good that everything is going down but you have to keep the money somewhere uh, and uh, bonds government bonds are usually the way to go buy gold <laughs> gold of course gold is good ammunition toilet paper especially ammunition and then yeah, and then exchange your toilet paper for for cash and then for Bitcoin and fly to Skopje and and snoop up Okay. Uh, swoop up and cheap well, that's, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of bulky. Um, and, you know, so when I fly over yeah. there, I'm going to have to have three suitcases, large suitcases full of toilet paper that I can then exchange. For, yeah. You know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to. Oh, that's good. Good to end on a laugh. So uh, after yeah. some weighty <laughs> issues. So, all right, we'll, we'll reconvene in a couple of weeks here and see what's happening. Great talk. Yeah, of course, buddy. Take care. Yep, you too. See you.